Beautiful, Barbara. Thank you, Chris. Very nice. The reading today is from The Moon in a Dew Drop by Zen Master Dogen, 1200 to 1253 A.D. To practice throughout the way is to actualize the limitless realm of the Buddha way and to illuminate all aspects of the Buddha way. The Buddha way is under everyone's heel, immersed in the way, clearly understand right on the spot. Immersed in enlightenment, you yourself are complete. Therefore, even though you arrive at full understanding, still, this is only a part of enlightenment. This is how it is without practice through the way. People nowadays who study the way do not really understand where the way leads or ends, so they strongly desire to gain visible results. Who would not make this mistake? It's like someone who runs away from his father, leaving a treasure behind and wandering about. Though he is the only child of a wealthy family, he endlessly wanders as a menial in foreign lands. Indeed, it's just like this. Those who study the way seek to be immersed in the way. And for those who are immersed in the way, all traces of enlightenment perish. Those who practice the Buddha way should first of all trust in the Buddha way. Those who trust in the Buddha way should trust that they are, in essence, within the Buddha way, where there is no delusion, no false thinking, no confusion, no increase or decrease, and no mistake. To arouse such trust and illuminate the way in this manner and to practice accordingly are fundamental in studying the way. You do this by sitting, which severs the root of thinking and blocks the access to the road of intellectual understanding. This is an excellent means to arouse true beginner's mind. Then you let the body and mind drop away and let go of delusion and enlightenment. This is the second aspect of studying the way. Generally speaking, those who trust that they are within the Buddha way are most rare. If you have correct trust that you are within the Buddha way, you understand where the great way leads or ends, and you know the original source of delusion and enlightenment. If just once in sitting, you sever the root of thinking, in eight or nine cases out of ten, you will immediately attain understanding of the way. So I told Nicholas, I said, well, after reading this, I need to be enlightened. Would you please explain? <laughs> In your inimitable way. Thank Beautifully you. read. Really appreciate that. Thank you. <clears throat> We're just going to meditate for half an hour now, and, uh, <laughs> and you'll get it. Good. Okay. Well, over the last uh, few weeks, we've been looking at the idea of service being the end point of spirituality. 
service as the end point of spirituality. And that really our purpose in our spiritual search is really to understand the nature of reality so that we can be appropriate with our service. So the whole idea of spirituality is to understand what the nature of reality is so that we can be appropriate to our service rather than do something that is inappropriate based upon a limited understanding. We have to be able to develop the wisdom to be able to know where to serve, to see into the nature of reality in such a way as to realize the true nature of our contribution. Last week, we looked at how to develop that wisdom. We looked at the idea that within us, there is something that Jesus called streams of living water. We all have that within us, streams of living water. And that these streams of living water that are within us are in fact the source of our wisdom. The water that will nourish our life and help us to grow into the potential that was always there. That lovely Sufi proverb that I mentioned last week, the secret of living a fulfilling life is to be ready, is to be ready at any moment to give up who you are for who you could become. And who you could become is nourished by that living water, that wisdom that is within us. And again, we can see that from that, you know, that old story that I'm sure all of you have heard about the grandfather who's talking to his grandson. And he says that there are two wolves inside us which are always at battle. One is a good wolf which represent kindness, wisdom and bravery and love. And the other is a bad wolf which represents things like hatred, greed and fear. And the grandson stops and thinks about it for a second. He looks up to his grandfather and said, Grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather quietly replies, the one you feed. And by drinking from that living water, we set ourselves up to be able to walk the way that has been set before us by the universe. And in that reading that we just heard, the Buddha way is really just the way. As in, I am the way and the truth and the life. In fact, the early Christian movement around 100 AD was known as the way. That's before Constantine and the empire builders got their hands on it. And what Jesus is saying is what the Buddha is saying. I am, that I am within me, that identity, that self, which is the deepest part of me, that living water, that is the way. It is the truth and it is the life. And today I want to talk a little bit at, at how we arrive at that way. We're always searching for that way. We're always searching for the truth, for the essence of life. And what this reading is really saying is that you have to give all that up. You have to give up all that searching. And what you have to realize is that you are already there. 
you have to give up the searching and realize that you're already there. The Buddha way is under everyone's heel. That means you're already on the Buddha way. You're already there. Now, the moment you hear that, you know, we want to say either that it's trite. Yes, I know that I'm already on the way. But how do I get to where I want to go to? Again, you've all heard this before, that story of the two travelers who came across the farmer at his gate as they walked along the road. Can you tell me the way to the great city, one of the travelers asked. Sure, said the farmer. But if I was going to the great city, I would not want to be starting from here. And we feel about that in our lives. How does it help me trying to get where I am by going simply by saying that you're already there? How does that help me? We think we want to get to a point of understanding. But Dogen is saying that that is not the goal. The point of understanding is not the goal. Even though you arrive, he says, at full understanding, still this is only a part of enlightenment. Robert, who sits at the back there, is always telling me that understanding is the booby prize. And that's what the Buddha is saying here. That's what the Dogen is saying here. The fact is that we're always looking for a result. We're always looking for the result, looking to get further along the way, looking to develop our understanding. But Dogen says that this is like a child of a wealthy family, leaving his family and endlessly wandering in foreign lands. Exactly the same as the prodigal son. Exactly the same sort of story. The treasure we seek, he's saying, is right under our noses. He says, for those that study the way, seek to be immersed in the way. For those that study the way, seek to be immersed in the way, in those streams of living waters. And for those immersed in the way, if you are steeped in the way, in those streams of living waters, all traces of enlightenment perish. He's saying that if you are truly immersed in the way, you have to completely trust the way. And to know that you're exactly where you should be. That there is nowhere else to go. He says later on in the book, he says a wonderful phrase. He says, when you leave the way to the way, you attain the way. When you leave the way to the way, when you try to stop working out yourself, but leave it to the way, then you attain the way. And this is not just an idea to get to the right place. This is all of it. This is arriving at the truth. It's arriving at the truth that to get to the living water, to get to the wisdom within us, we have to realize that we are already there and that there is nowhere else to go. And there is, in reality, no such thing as getting enlightened. But we don't want to believe that. We think it's a trick. 
We think it can't be true. That there obviously are great masters and people who are much wiser than we are. So there's still so much to learn and to understand. But what we have to arrive at is that the very act of, in the very act of searching for the truth, we miss the truth that's right under our noses. There is no point in looking out there and comparing ourselves with Buddha or Jesus or Marianne Williamson or Deepak or Gandhi and saying, they're enlightened, I want to be like them. You know, each of you, each of us has our own individual particular path and we are exactly where we should be in our lives. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing to do. It tells us where to look if you're looking for wisdom or that living water. It tells you where to look. You have to look right here where you are now. But the trouble is we're always looking ahead, trying to think about where we want to get to. Not only do we have to look at right here, but we also have to let go of any idea of gain or loss. You've got, to look, you've got to let go of that, any idea of gain or loss. We spend most of our time working out where we want to get to and then negotiating how to get there. We assess what's going to bring us gain and what's going to cause us loss, and we work out what to do next. That's what we tend to do. I, I do it myself. You know, I'm working out how to make my job successful, how to make the most of our 50th anniversary, how to get myself into the space to fulfill the role I have of spiritual leader, as well as balancing the budget every year, trying to help my family along the way, how to look after my kids, my mother, who I hope is watching in England, how to keep healthy, how to find a home, how to get supper on the table, and really keep up with the next episode of True Detective, which is on Showtime. (laughs) I'm trying to do that all the time. But to be truly on the way, in terms of the Buddha way, or the way, the truth, and the life, you have to drop all of that. Really. And I know, you know, that we have to be responsible human beings and keep ourselves viable. But actually, this seeking wisdom is only something we can do after we become a responsible human being. You've got to do that stuff first. In order to even think about doing something like this, the mind has to get the other stuff worked out that we need to work through in order to be able to take this radical stance. Richard Raw talks about there being two halves of life. The first half of life is one of preparation. The second half of life is one of actualization. You've got to do the preparation. You could never reach or approach that radical stance unless you prepared for it. It is, in actuality, the next stage of the evolution of consciousness. Away from acquisition and control and towards radical acceptance. That is, you know, the next stage. So back to dropping those ideas of gain and loss, because that's really what it's about. To truly find that living water, that wisdom, you have to let go of your ideas of the way that life should be and open up to what is. Again, this is not just saying you have to tolerate 
you know, I'm not saying you have to tolerate abusive relationships or unjust situations. Dealing with all that stuff is part of the period of preparation. You have to get that out of the way first, or at least, you know, not be willing to be affected by it. But how do you, how do you drop those ideas of loss or gain? Well, Dojin says you do this by sitting or meditation, which, which severs the root of thinking and blocks access to the road of intellectual understanding. He says, if you have correct trust that you are within the Buddha way, then you understand where the great way leads or ends, and you know the original source of delusion and enlightenment, which is the mind. So he's really saying that in sitting, in bringing your attention into your heart or whatever it is, and away from your, your rational mind, that is how you make that severance which is, in a way, it's away from all understanding or idea that there is anything to be gained or lost. You have to move away from it. Even in meditation, you have to move away from the fact it just has to be about the practice, not about trying to get somewhere. Now, it may sound a bit abstract, this, or hard, you know, but think about it, or, or rather don't think about it. What we're really being asked to do is stop struggling to get anywhere. You actively affirm the present moment in favor of any ideas of what might be. You actively affirm the present moment rather than any ideas of what might be. You know, Meister Eckhart, the 13th century mystic, says that the meditative state is being in a place where you realize that you want for nothing. Therefore, there is nothing you have to do to alter the situation. And you also have to give up thinking about what you could know about the situation or what you could know about what might happen next. He talks about wanting for nothing, willing nothing, and knowing nothing. And the moment you do that, you arrive at the truth, the actual truth of now. You realize that you've arrived. And, and you really have, it's a discipline of the realization that there is nothing else, that actually everything is in this particular moment. It's actually here. And the moment you take yourself away from that, the moment you take yourself away from that, you take yourself away from being able to access the truth of that wisdom that's within you. You realize that you've arrived. And where you are, when you've arrived, is right within that stream of living water that's always been flowing through you. And all there is, is to practice being in that flow. And that wisdom comes. If you practice being in that flow, that wisdom will come. Dojin says, to practice the way is to actualize the limitless realm of the Buddha way and to illumine all aspects of the Buddha way because the Buddha way is under everyone's heel. Immersed in the way, clearly understanding, right on the spot, immersed in enlightenment, you become complete. That is how you, you arrive at it. And you know, that is the great secret. Not some law of attraction or that. That is the great secret. It's to arrive. We're all fully realized if we could but realize it. All of us are fully realized. We are all up to our eyeballs in living water, if we could just get our heads out from our bottoms and see it. And all we have to do, to, really, to get there is to give up everything.
That's all you have to do. You have to give up everything. Now, I know that it doesn't sound attractive and all of us want things that we want and have to do things that we want to do. And you can still want those things and do those things. But if you want to arrive at the deepest truth in life, if you want to understand the nature of enlightenment, if you really want to be on that way, this is it. And by the way, it doesn't mean you won't get those things and you won't do the things that you want to do or have the things that you want to do. Because just remember what Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's talking about. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be given to you. It is the emphasis. It is the emphasis. It is only because of the limits of our mind that we believe that we if we give up striving for something, we'll not get it. It's the limit of your mind that says if you give up striving something, you won't get it. But to get off the hamster wheel of life, to transform the nature of our being, to be part of that evolution of consciousness, yes, we have to give up our ideas of gain and loss. We have to give up our attachment to outcomes. We have to arrive because let's face it, everybody else is charging around, trying to arrive. I mean, look out there. Can you see any, great, any greater wisdom charging around? Or do you see people who are essentially lost trying to find a way home? Well, well this is the way home. This is what it is to arrive at the truth, to find yourself up to the waist in wisdom. Now, as I said, I know it sounds hard, but actually it isn't. It is a state of mind that suspends attachment. And we can all do it. It just means giving up a lot of assumptions that we've made. The assumption that we're not enlightened. The assumption that we're not enlightened and that there is a way of being, a feeling, a way of experiencing different to what we're being, feeling and experiencing now. While we still have this idea that what we're experiencing, being and feeling now is not enlightenment, you know, we're never going to be there. We have to give that up. We have to give up our ideas that we can control life and get what we want. We know we can't control life. And what we want is just what we think we want. It's not an empirical truth. And often, when we get what we want, we find it's not what we want. We have to give up thinking we know what's right and what's not right. We have to give up thinking that we know the direction we want things to go. Very important. We have to give up thinking that we know the direction we want things to go. Actually, we just have to give up thinking. It's as simple as that. And not even forever, just while you're practicing. You're practicing knowing the truth. You're practicing arriving at the truth. You're practicing realizing that you're enlightened. And if that doesn't carry you down to the reception downstairs, well, so be it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just continue to practice either on the meditation mat or if you're walking down to reception, just continue to practice recognizing all the times that you're trying to control and make things happen. 
There is nowhere to get to. You have already arrived. You just have to realize it. And this is what it means to arrive at the point of love. This is to arrive at the point of love. Love is giving with no expectation of return. Love is giving with no expectation of return. And to give up all of our expectations of the world, to give up all our expectations, is to love the universe unconditionally. Because we're not bargaining with the universe. You're not saying, if I'm good, then this will happen, or if I do this, I'll get enlightened. You're giving up. And that means you are loving the universe unconditionally. And that's what we're doing in meditation. Practicing loving the universe unconditionally. Practicing with no expectation of return. Not bargaining by saying, I will practice, therefore I will get enlightened. But to practice in order to give yourself completely with no expectation of return. That is the aim, to live our lives like that, to act with no expectation of return in any shape or form. Now I'm going to talk a bit about, more about that whole idea next week. But would you like to have a go at it? Just having a go at that, it is that practice. So I'm just going to give you an opportunity to just have a go at that. So if you just close your eyes for the moment, no one's going to come in, no one's going to, just close your eyes. And just look at the plans that you have for yourself, where you want to get to, in your job, with your family, with your health. Look at those plans and then just let them go. Be willing just to let them go and be in a place of not knowing what's going to happen, but it being okay, whatever does. Look at your relationship with money. Are you able to let go of what you want to have happen and be okay with whatever does happen? Letting go any expectation of return. Look at your spiritual life. Look at what your aspirations are there. Can you completely let go of that? And have no expectations. Just not knowing what's going to happen and that being okay. Not knowing about the future and that completely being okay. Let it go. And just be in a place of not knowing, just present. And just drop down into your heart and feel that peace of wanting for nothing, willing nothing, knowing nothing, giving yourself to the universe with no expectation of return then you have arrived at the truth of your life. You are on the way.
you are within the streams of living water. The ancient masters were profound and subtle. Their wisdom was unfathomable. There is no way to describe it. All we can describe is their appearance. They were careful as someone crossing an iced over stream, alert as a warrior in enemy territory, courteous as a guest, fluid as melting ice, shapeable as a block of wood, receptive as a valley, clear as a glass of water. Do you have the patience to wait till your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving till right action arises by itself? The master does not seek fulfillment. Not seeking, not expecting, she is present and can welcome all things. Okay, if you'd like to open your eyes. I'm going to talk a little bit about that more in meditation tomorrow at 8.15, but I'll again talk about it uh, again next week, the idea of love, loving the universe as, as the central theme of our lives. Um, but in the meantime, let, let's pray. Again, if you want to close your eyes. And we just think about our world. And our prayer is, is to really be appropriate to the needs of the world. To wait till our mud settles and right action arises by itself. We think of the anger and the trauma that exists in the world. The stupidity. The war. Suffering. People in prison. Homeless, hungry, fighting each other, people grieving from weather events all around the world. We ask that we may shape ourselves and be shaped to be appropriate and make our contribution. We particularly think of those who are not well at the moment. We particularly think of Erin and Tommy De Hessert, who... Their premature baby, one of twins, the first baby died and the other is now 23 weeks old and doing well in hospital in New York. We think of Annie Teague and we remember the friends and family of Aaron Truk. Amen. <laughs>